It's really difficult to start today's episode. It is. I I don't know about you, but I did not expect us to do another episode or even have to talk about anti-Asian hate crime again because I really didn't think it could get worse than our elderly mm. being killed and yet here we are um as to Chinese women we feel like we can't not address this and if there's any fellow Asian listeners some maybe a lot of what we talk about in this episode can be very triggering and traumatizing you know this is affecting our community um we as asians all need to kind of process this in our own way so if any of this is hard to listen to it's okay like step out of this episode um we do feel like there are people who need to hear this but we certainly don't want to re-traumatize anyone in our community. It's Saturday, March 20th today. And I feel by now and by the time we upload this episode on Friday, most people, no matter where you are in the world, will have heard about what happened in Atlanta. For those who don't, on Tuesday, March 16th, Eight people, six of whom were women of Asian descent, were murdered in a shooting at three spas in and around Atlanta, Georgia. Four of the six women of Asian descent were of Korean ethnicity, and the shootings occurred at Young's Asian Massage, where four were killed, two of whom were Asian, and one person was injured. Gold Massage Spa, where three more people were killed, all Asian women, Aromatherapy Spa, which was across the street where the killer killed his final victim. And the victims of the shooting, um, Mickey, would you like to say their names? I, tr- um, I just want to apologize ahead of time that I'm Chinese and I've never learned Korean. So I really apologize for anyone who does speak Korean and understand that I really tried. And I do want to show my respect. Um, so... The people's names are Daniela Ashley Young, age 33, Paul Andre Michaels, age 54, Tan Xiaojie, age 49, Feng Daoyou, age 44, Park Song Chuan, age 74, Kim Hyun age 51, Kim Song Cha, age 69, Yu Yun A age 63. Kim Hyun-jeon, um, who you might see their, her name reported as Hyun-jeon Grant. Her maiden name is Kim. And so she worked at the Gold Spot and she's a single mother of two sons. Her son, Randy Park, wrote, I lost my mother last night. I don't know how much info I even want to release about what happened, but it's on the news as most have seen. She was the strongest pillar in my life for my brother and I, and to lose her so strong fills me with hate that doesn't encompass even a fraction of what that stand on humanity holds. She lived her whole life only to support her two sons, all on her own, and to see her taken away from us like this is unfair. I can't decide how I feel. She will never get to see my brother and I get married own homes, graduate college, and see her grandchildren. As of now, I'm looking for any direction, advice, and spreading awareness to the reality we live in. It really is disappointing to see how much hate there is. Again, if anyone knows anybody that had the misfortune to be in a situation like this that could inform me on how to go on, I would appreciate that help. And to fellow Asian American, please stay safe. This is posted on his Instagram. And we also learned a little bit more about Tan Xiaojie. She owns Yang's Asian Massage and another spa in Georgia. She's licensed massage therapist. She's also a mother. Her daughter recently graduated from University of Georgia. And last Thursday, 
was Tan Xiaojie's 50th birthday. Delena Yang and her husband went to Yang's Asian massage in Acworth, Georgia on Tuesday when the gunman, a 21-year-old white man, entered and opened fire. Her husband survived, but she was fatally shot. She was a mother of two children, a 14-year-old son and an eight-month-old daughter. Paul Andrew Michaels is an Army veteran who owned a business installing security system. Michaels was doing handiwork for the spa when the shooting took place. As of today, that's kind of the information about the victims. And obviously, this is a tragedy. I don't even feel like that word accurately describes um, how a lot of us in the Asian American community and Asian community feel. And, you know, gun violence in America is just unbelievable. Um, it's always devastating. And after each mass shooting, whether they occur at our schools, our churches, our local businesses, we can't seem to get gun reform together in this country. If this story was told right by the news outlets, by law enforcement, by our government authorities, maybe today we can just be talking about gun reform and how to prevent more senseless deaths from happening. But instead, the narrative around this mass murder has been one of whitewashing and gaslighting. Pretty much from the start, there was denying that these murders were racially motivated. The county sheriff of Atlanta, Frank Reynolds, basically said that the killer gave no indicators that his crimes were racially motivated. He said, and this is quoting him, we asked him that specifically and the answer was no. Like, is that how we're conducting investigations these days? Like, we just ask the perpetrator if they did it or if they meant to. And we just believe whatever they say and publicize it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? At the same time, the media is also humanizing this white killer by interviewing his grandparents while not sharing anything about the lives of the people he killed. Almost like excusing, not almost, but ex excusing this killer a 21-year-old white man by attributing his violence to his sex addiction and saying he was having a really bad day and having issues. Like, really? I have bad days all the time. You don't see me murdering people. I have tons of issues. I'm in therapy. I don't go out and kill people. And the police said in a press hearing on Wednesday that the suspect told officials he had sex addiction issues and targeted these businesses because it represented, and this is quoting what he said, a temptation he wanted to eliminate. I feel like to say this was not racially motivated acts of violence, that this has nothing to do with race, is... Yet another example of America trying to whitewash, gaslight, and stand by while Asians are murdered in our workplaces and in our streets and in our neighborhoods. It also came out that one of the officers, Captain Jay Baker of the county sheriff's office, who was basically giving the killer a pass by saying he was just, you know, having a bad day was found yeah. out to, surprise, surprise, also be a racist. He posted on his Facebook in April of 2020 these racist shirts of Corona beer labels that said COVID-19 imported virus from China. China spells C-H-Y-N-A. And in the caption of that, of that picture, this racist asshole wrote, love my shirt, get yours while they last. Like, shit like this is why we need to reform the police. It's why we need to defund the police. Like, people like this should not be tasked to protect Americans when they don't value and respect everyone in America. I think as of today, 
Captain Baker will no longer be a spokesperson on this case, but he hasn't been taken off the police force. That's correct. And in, um, according to New York Times, in a statement on Thursday, the Cherokee County Sheriff Frank Reynolds defended Captain Baker, saying that he did not intend to disrespect any of the victims or express empathy or sympathy for the suspect. Quote, he says, Captain Baker had a difficult task before him, and this was one of the hardest in his 28 years in law enforcement. Sheriff Reynolds said, and he added, on behalf of the dedicated women and men of the Ch Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, we regret any heartache Captain Baker's word may have caused. Once again, they are excusing and empathetic for the white man. Yeah. Look at the killer, how horrible it is for him. All he wanted is to end his temptation. He had a horrible day. This is the end of his rope. It was a bad day for him. Mm -hmm. And once again, this was the hardest task, the hardest year in his in the Captain Baker's 28-year law enforcement. What about the rest of the people? What about the women and the men who were killed in this case? Yeah, like what about their families? Like are you fucking kidding me that he's having a bad day? Like, there shouldn't even be, like, a story humanizing him. Like, he's a murderer. And again, the reason we care about why these narratives are written, we're glad that finally our story is hitting all the major news outlets. Because if you have listened to our New and New Year special, you would know back in February and before then, a lot of things are happening towards the elderly and Asian community. All the hate crimes are not reported anywhere and not even addressed. And the Asian community have to come together and report and provide sources themselves from local newspapers. So yes, this is improvement that now that this is hitting the headline, but every single headline is saying this may be racially motivated. This may, this may. And the reason why, why we care about this, the reason why we care about the captain's response, the sheriff's response, is because like Desmond Tutu, a South African Angelica Bishop once said, language is powerful. Language does not describe reality. Language creates the reality that it describes. It's very important for us to, to, to tell the truth mm -hmm. and call things as it is. And to say this is not racially motivated, it's baffling. Even though Biden, like President Biden, Biden has addressed this issue. And then even in his statement, he said he still haven't found connection that this is a racially motivated hate crime. And he's waiting on FBI's investigation. Yeah, and I think that's really why we wanted to talk about this. It's because the story is not being told correctly. People are missing the point. They are gaslighting us. They are denying that it's 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 racially motivated. Like that should not even be a question. There's nothing to question or debate here. It doesn't matter if the killer is aware or not of his own racial biases. Not being aware of it doesn't mean it does not exist or that it did not happen. Like six of the eight murdered are women of Asian descent. These three spas were targeted for a very specific reason. And that's really what we want to get into today. The, the, the racism, misogyny, xenophobia that underlies the Atlanta shooting and how it's the direct result of the fetishization of Asian women. So there's multiple layers to unpack here. And this is in no particular order. The first is how... The news reports, again, like the language they were using, because there's long-standing ideas and tropes surrounding businesses like these Asian-owned spas, and calling it massage parlors itself just has so many connotations. You know, when you hear like Asian massage parlors, you're thinking things like happy endings and sex work happening even if there's no proof that sex work was happening at these businesses. And even if there was, using language like massage parlors, which again is so 
charged with connotations makes it seem like these murders were justifiable in some way when it's not. Or it suggests that the lives of the people killed matter less because of the work they may be doing. And it doesn't matter what job they have or whether or not they even have a job. Like, murder is not acceptable. Like, do I even have to say that? Like, a loss of a life is a loss of a life. And a life is not valued by someone's occupation. Esther Kay, who is a co-director of the Red Canary Song, it's the only grassroots Chinese massage spa worker coalition in the U.S., she said, Even if they were providing non-sexual massages, this ends up being a sex work issue. The women are de facto being seen as sex workers and being scapegoated as such. Removing the anti-sex work component really removes the crux of what this specific kind of racism is about. The fetishization of Asian women's bodies the objectification of their bodies and the assumption that Asian women are obviously going to be providing sexual services at massage parlor. The conflation of massage parlors and sex workers without any nuance is very specific to anti-Asian racism against Asian women. You know, Mickey and I have talked about this, I think, throughout several episodes already, which is this fetishization of Asian women, because we are both Asian woman. I don't know about you, Mickey, but like, I mean, I've definitely heard things like, oh, you have yellow fever. Yeah. Referring to non Asian men who are attracted to Asian women. Definitely. And I think the most frequent one heard is that in college at parties, Mm -hmm. when people make out with me, they will be like, oh, you know, you're the first Asian girl or Chinese girl I ever made out with, or many incidents of like oh I don't even know how comfortable I feel saying this out loud but like the stereotype of that Asian women have tighter vagina Mm -hmm. so that we're to be conquered to be exploited and to to be set in many many ways back at college frat parties um even though now after graduation after being in those um situations still at times even on dating apps people were still coming at you with questions that even though it might seem innocent on the surface but underlying it's almost like oh you're so exotic i've never dated Mm -hmm. asian before like what am i supposed to respond to that yeah i specifically remember in college people joking about how dating an Asian woman is like a check checklist. It's like part of the college experience checklist, like a phase. And it's like, how, as an Asian woman, does that not make you feel like an object? And it plays into the stereotype of Asians in general, that we as a group are submissive, obedient, and meek. But the fetishization of Asian women in the U.S., there's a long history it's it's it goes back to the 1800s and it was reinforced during the korean and vietnam wars when asian women were exoticized and fetishized as sexual partners and we see this depicted in our pop culture where asian women are represented as you know either this like dragon lady where asian people are these evil foreigners who are here to like destroy the west and were like either it's that depiction or or the other one is this china doll where asian women are depicted as almost like sexual servants like princess damsel in distress archetype where asian women need to be saved or rescued but often end up sacrificing herself or getting sacrificed for the good of her white lover. Um, An example of this is Madame Butterfly, which is still today one of the most popular operas. It's about a Japanese woman. Actually, she's a teenager, basically, in the original. She's supposed to be 15 years old, who falls in love with an American GI, who kind of just marries her out of convenience, but 
intends to leave her once he finds like a proper American wife. She has his child, gets abandoned by him when he finds his American wife, and then she kills herself. Like that's the portrayal. That's so tragic. We see this depicted everywhere where Asian women are infantilized and hypersexualized. Like to your point, just objects to be conquered. And it's like, who is writing these stories of how Asian women are being portrayed in media? It's not Asian women. You know, it's it's the Western white male controlling that narrative. Mm-hmm. But it has very real consequences for us. Morgan Dewey, who is the development coordinator of the National Network to End Domestic Violence, stated that 41 to 61 percent of Asian women report experiencing physical and or sexual violence by an intimate partner during their lifetime. This is significantly higher than any other ethnic group. If, if the Asian women are not depicted as weak or submissive, they're depicted as uneducated and speak broken English at all times. And, and there's no character development, even on TV shows that includes Asian characters. There's no character development. They always stay at the stereotypical type. And that's it. Because again, the narrative is that Asian Americans or Asians, because again, there's no distinguish when you just look at us, um, are not worthy and not worth enough for a storyline. We're just there to make your show, your movie diverse or a comic relief again, disposable. In our episode last week, we talked about porn. And I had stated at the end of that episode that, you know, the labor side of the sex industry is its own story that we weren't covering on that particular episode. But I want to touch on it here because it's very relevant to the shooting. Sex workers often do not receive the same protection that other citizens would because of the jobs they do. The Red Canary song was founded after the death of Yang Song, a massage parlor worker in Flushing, Queens in New York City. She fell four stories onto the sidewalk in November 2017 during a NYPD sting where police were trying to arrest her for allegedly engaging in sex work. Two months before her death, she was arrested and charged with prostitution. Before her death, she told her family that she had been sexually assaulted by a man posing as an undercover police officer. Her death is an example of police violence against sex workers because of the stigma attached to sex work. A 2020 report published by Butterfly, an Asian and migrant sex workers support network, found that over half of workers at massage spas have experienced some kind of threat to their safety at work. And a quote from Julia to Butterfly, I have to choose between being robbed and or assaulted or being charged and fined. I don't know why I have to be punished when I just want to protect my safety. And Esther Kay says, not all massage parlor workers provide sexual services, but some do. But no matter what services they provide, they deserve rights and safety. They are facing multiple layers of oppression. I'm nodding my head really hard here because, again, I think these stories, there's similarity and you can draw the underlying. It's, this is why it's so difficult and so shocking to my mind that why people could not see this as a hate crime, what has happened at Atlanta. To stay, to, to, to stay at the very surface, to say this is just sexually motivated, but then to ignore all the fact patterns in this incident and then to look at the history and look at everything has been happening. You don't even need to peel that many layers. You just peel two layers, not even one layer. You, that's it. Like it's, he's, he's white supremacy and his sexual fascination of Asian women. And he, he's believed and he's falsely thinking he has the right to take other people's life away. And regardless, like Danny kept emphasizing as well, regardless, these people's vocation, their life values, their life matters. And it just angers me so much when people will to say this is not racially motivated. How could you say that? How could you not mm-hmm. look at the facts? Look at 
look at all the things like Danny were just saying, the massage parlor, what this term means, all these subconscious things that people associate with Asian women from the, the pop culture, from everything that's happening throughout American history. These have context and words have meanings. Mm -hmm. And to not say this is the racially motivated hate crime, it's beyond me. Yeah. Asian-owned massage parlors have a very strong connotation with sex work. Sex work in the U.S., as in many countries, is deemed dirty and lesser than, which almost makes society feel like the people working in this industry doesn't deserve full protection because they're immoral or dirty. And regardless of what types of services were actually provided at these businesses, it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. the fact that they are Asian owned with Asian employees at a quote unquote massage parlor, which again has so many connotations to it. And with all the again, history and depiction of Asian women in the media has everything to do with why these women were killed. 100%. And I think I have seen some people argue that this is just like he has mental issue, that this is misogynist. Fine, I'm not going to argue with that. But two things can be true. He can be a misogynist. He can have mental issue, but also anti Asian to to just give him this mental illness it's almost like to taking away the severity yeah, it, of yes, the hate it, that he it had. almost it almost makes it seem like it's excusable but you know what a lot of people have mental issues it's called getting therapy it's called getting a support group it it doesn't mean getting a fucking gun and murdering people so like stop that narrative because it's been going on in the US for a very 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 long time and it's always given to these white men. Who wants to own guns. And, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Because like Danny saying earlier, if, if from the beginning, the media and everyone is doing their job to call racism whenever they see it, today this will be a topic about gun violence or mental illness. Instead, we're still talking about discrimination and even today, the media still cannot call it as what it is. And safety is what the Asian community has been asking for. We've, we've seen the statistics on the rise in anti-Asian hate attacks since this pandemic started. Mickey and I talked about it last month in our Lunar New Year episode. Like, we've seen the stats. Asian women are twice as likely to report experiencing attacks and harassment as men during this time. Trevor Noah said it very adequately on his show, The Daily Show, when he said, we saw it coming. We see these things happening. People have been warning. People in the Asian community have been tweeting saying, please help us. We're getting punched in the streets. We're getting slurs written on our doors. We're getting people coming up to us and saying, thanks for COVID. Thanks for spoiling the world. We've seen this happening. That's exactly right. Like, it's been happening. This isn't, like, random and out of nowhere. And it's just, like, how many more people need to die for no reason than the color of our skin for people to wake the fuck up and do something about it? Again, it just makes us feel so invisible. Because this is exactly what the reason why Danny and I did the Lunar New special edition. Because there's no mainstream news, news outlet was even reporting. And all people can do... It's to tweet, to post on Instagram, post on TikTok. This is how we end up to spread news now, not through journalism, but through our own word of mouth. And like, yes, this time it is being reported, but it's, again, being reported incorrectly. Right. And it's, it's missing the point. Agreed. And this is why how some people can, this is why how some people can look at the story and think this is the first time they ever heard it when Asian community has been asking for help. Every, every single platform has been asking for help. But again, we just felt so invisible that no one hears us and no one willing to help. And then there will be people like, oh, how did this happen? How could this happen? As if this is their first time ever hearing this news that there's hate crime happening against Asian Americans. Yeah, the protection at the national level has not been there. 
And it's been incredible to see a lot of organizations step up. You know, Mickey recommended the volunteer organization to help walk elderly Asian people when they're just out and about during their day because they have to fear for their lives now, which is completely insane. But the reason that's needed is because no one was responding for our call for help. Right. And no one is still responding. Right. Because we're literally asking for basic right right here. We're asking for safety. We're not asking for anything. Safety is literally the basic human need. And the fact that there have to be people volunteer to work elderly home, that's insane. We have all been through lockdown. Everyone, their daily sanity checkers to take a daily walk near their neighborhood. But the Asian community elderly cannot do that. That's a basic right they're taking away because because what? Because they are Asian. Asian elderly, but also Asian people in general, because there's it's it's hard to go outside without being called a racial slur or being blamed for COVID these days. And I also want to point out that safety does not equal more police, because clearly we can see from this and many other instances that the police is not protecting everyone equally. There is also the layer of the immigrant experience. Many of the workers at these spas are immigrants, some undocumented, who are not only trying to make a living for themselves, but a lot of times also for their families abroad back home. We've in this country seen this in our laws that legally denies Asian immigrants. We talked about the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, again, in our Lunar New Year episode. Please go listen to that which denied immigration to Chinese for 10 years and declared Chinese immigrants ineligible for naturalization. And it was the first and still today the only immigration law to exclude on the basis of race. But there's a lot more than that. Um, I'm I'm not going to go through a full list, but just a few. The Page Law of 1875, it denied immigration to Chinese women on the premise that Chinese women were deemed immoral and accused of sex work. There's the Immigration Act of 1924, which denied all Asians besides Filipino nationals the ability to own land, attain citizenship, naturalize, and marry non-Asians. There's the Hart-Seller Act of 1965, which replaced the quota immigration system with a merit-based system. Now, merit-based may sound like it's a good thing, but it promotes this idea that Asians need qualification, like education, for citizenship. And we've also seen a long history of violence against Asians and Asian immigrant population in the U.S. Many of us probably learned about the Japanese internment camps during World War II, where Japanese Americans were forced to relocate and incarcerated in concentration camps. But there's also a lot more that we don't even cover in our history books. I'm just going to name a few. This is by no means a complete list. There's the Chinese massacre that occurred in October 24th, 1871, also known as the Los Angeles Massacre or Chinatown War. It is one of the largest mass lynchings in U.S. history, where a mob of 500 people attacked, robbed, and murdered Chinese residents. 17 Chinese men and boys were killed. Only eight attackers of the mob of 500 were convicted on on manslaughter charges, and those charges were overturned, so there was no justice. There's the Rock Springs Massacre of 1885 in Wyoming, where at least 25 Chinese miners, because a lot of Chinese people came to the U.S. to help build the railroads, where at least 25 Chinese miners were killed, 15 injured, and 78 Chinese homes burned by white miners because they perceived that the Chinese were taking their jobs. If that sounds familiar, it should. There's the Tacoma riot of 1885, where a white mob forced Chinese residents from Tacoma, Washington. They gave them a deadline to get out, 
by that same day, which is November 3rd, 1885, 150 Chinese residents left out of fear. The mob marched another 200 Chinese residents that same day to a railroad station and forced them to get on a train to Portland, Oregon. They burned their homes and their businesses, and to this day, the Chinatown in Tacoma has not been rebuilt. That's just a few of the massacres that occurred in our history. There's also been a long history of trafficking of Asian women and girls in the 1860s and 70s, where young girls were forced into sex enslavement. And between disease, violence, and trauma, very few survive more than five to six years of enslavement. Five to six years. <laughs> And the trafficking of Asian women for sex slaves still continues today, predominantly from Southeast Asia. So again, that's just a few. There are a lot, lot more. And I think it's really important for us to know our history because if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. That was just only a few Daniel was listing. A few. And that was not little. And uh, the heaviness behind the history, and you might think 1800, that's a long time ago. Your parents are not even born then. However, like Danny said, these are still happening. Still happening. Back in college, on campus, when students who are working, um, what is that called? Like the work? Work study. The work study. And a lot of, a lot of time, the Asian students will get wrote eyes at because they the other people feel like they stole their job when all they can do is that without that they cannot pay their tuition without that they cannot get a education i didn't know the work study thing was happening oh yeah for sure for sure that's happening um this is something i just read really recently um again many of you may know or may not know international students always pay a higher tuition to get the same education as everyone else and Last winter, a NYU student has violated a university policy by bringing someone to this student's dorm room. And because of that, even though we would all agree that she should get consequences because she violated policy. However, the consequences she had was to be evicted from her dorm. As an international student, she has no permanent address in the United States. And the student emailed the school and asking for help, telling them the situation and to get a response to say, then you should just go back to, to your country, basically in a nicer way, by saying that you can just study from your home country as if there's no time zone difference, as if she will get a tuition reduction. And then again, every single time when we talk about race, you will hear people saying, why are you shoveling race to my face? We're not talking about race here. I'm not racist. But look at the history. Listen to the history. We didn't bring race. The white people put labor on people. And then now feel uncomfortable when they call, when we call them out white people, when we finally call them out as who they are and they feel uncomfortable and we now bring the race that they put label on us back to them and they feel uncomfortable, fucking deal with it because you created the issue. And again, the reason that, thanks to Danny, that doing so much research, the reason we're bringing the history is because like what Trevor Noah was saying on his daily show, people just constantly look at the symptom without looking at the cause. The cause is rooted in the history. And that's why people kept saying it's a systemic, systemic racism. Without, without mm -hmm. addressing, without recognizing, acknowledge what has happened in history and what is currently happening, without going to the roots, we're just brushing off the surface and trying to target the symptom. But this will happen because the cost is still there. It's not going mm -hmm. away. And, and the thing is, the Asian community is in, still in so much fear that there will be copycat because of this news. Someone's gonna copy this, this fucking white person, this white young gunman think, behavior to do this again. We're in so much fear. First for elderly, now for our women. How long, how long, how long, how long, how much, how much life, how much blood will it take people to wake the fuck up and just call it what it is and we can find a solution? Because without naming the issue, we can never, never find a solution. Yes. 
yes yeah it's the events are already so tragic but the fact that the system has been refusing to call it for what it is it's denying our experience our lives here like to be honest i i didn't even know about some of these occurrences and i grew up in the us education system like i went from kindergarten through college in the us and i've never heard some of these things i didn't even know they happened we need to acknowledge who is writing these narratives who is writing our history books it's not us like the only one i really knew about was the chinese exclusion act and even that we got like maybe one tiny paragraph in our history books about it it's an erasure of our history and our identity to mickey's point we need to understand the history to understand the root of these issues because otherwise we can't solve for it you know if you intertwine these layers of gender race citizenship anti-sex work sentiments and the policing that goes along with it we see the intersectionality that oppresses and marginalizes certain groups of peoples that lead white supremacists like this killer to enact violence on asian women working at these spas and it's these layered oppression that makes the asian women working at these massage spas vulnerable members of society the same way our elderly asians you know being asian and elderly made them targets of attack to say race had absolutely nothing to do with it is to completely and totally miss the point danny did a lot of research this week and we have also been reading a lot of news and a lot of asian communities collective resources to trying to really help people to understand our point of view even though it's really it's really that obvious but if you have listened to here we really really hope you will understand better now of the history the context and why this is a hate crime and call it as what it is a lot of research did go into this but a few that i want to call out that were particularly helpful because again a lot of news outlets were whitewashing this story but the few that i found that were getting it right and that we will also link in our episode description one is from the guardian titled a specific kind of racism atlanta shootings feel fears over anti-sex work ideology another from vox titled the lana shootings can't be divorced from racism and misogyny and the cape which stands for a coalition of asian pacifics in entertainment that was a lot to intake and i there's so many points that as i'm hearing denny reading out her research um i'm just like my brain just went like blank in in like does it believe i don't even have words to respond um i'm sure and thank you so much again for doing all the research denny i'm sure it must be difficult to do to read these things through how do you feel yeah i mean i'm really glad we're talking about this it is hard to talk about but i also feel like this i don't know it just makes me feel like we're doing something about it like in our own way this episode is also helping to bring awareness so i'm glad that i'm putting the energy that i've been feeling all week um into something that i think could be productive and maybe helpful but i'm not going to lie like especially reading on the history that a lot of which like i again wasn't ever taught or made aware of i mean i literally got a stomach ache <laughs> like mm. like my body had a reaction to reading all of that and almost having to like choose which ones to say out loud on this episode because there's so there's so many and it's like i can't believe we don't get taught this in school like how can this be just buried in our history books yeah that is really crazy that that But, really it's crazy because when i cuz cuz when i was before i study abroad to america 
um, my family friend bought me like a really thick American history book. And he told me this will help me to understand like America's like social, like culture and everything because it's all rooted in history and it's only 200 years. And he was telling me how like all American students get taught everything about their history because it's 200 years. Like it's like relatively young country Mm -hmm. compared to a lot of country like China or United Kingdom. Those countries have like relatively longer history. He was telling me how like because it's only a couple hundred years old, the American students study into detail of their history. But clearly that's not true. It's once again selective, selective mm-hmm. truth being retold. Yes. How has this whole week been for you? It's, um, it's really, I don't have, I don't have a one adjective to it. Um, when the news came out, when on Wednesday, I, kind of just trying to because I'm currently having some busy deadline from work so I was knowing from last year BLM's experience knowing that if I read this news it's gonna make me so depressed and feel so hopeless and helpless that I won't be able to do any work so I kind of purposely didn't even click on any link and I was just like okay it's not gonna be that bad I'm gonna read it after I finish work I'm gonna do it later I'm gonna do it later and and then so I started reading everything around like midnight and I was in such a shock and I kept refreshing the Instagram account called Next Shark, which Danny mentioned in the Lunar New Year episode as well, because that's the app that has that's the account has the most latest update with the whole whole news how everything's reported because a lot of other mainstream media are much slower or like we were saying earlier, whitewashing the whole situation and gaslighting the whole situation as well. So I kept refreshing it and then also clicking on other links and then just to see more and more. And not just because this past week, it's not just this Atlantic event happened. There's also a lot of other hate crimes happened to Asian elderlies mm-hmm. that didn't get even into people's mainstream. And I didn't even repost it on Instagram because I don't want to re- traumatize anyone because it's all very graphic. Um, for example, the old grandma, she was bit, so, bitten by a young man so much so that she literally, her eyes was filled with blood that mm-hmm. she couldn't even see. And all these stories are like triggering me and I was just in tears and disbelieve that this is happening in 2021. And, and I didn't even know how I'm supposed to feel. I was lucky the second day I had my therapy session and I was able to talk to my therapist about this. And then I think one thing we did kind of talk about earlier was about what has our personal experience been, been like? Is it really happening? The answer is yes. And, and that I also see a couple of my Asian friends posting on their Instagram stories sharing about their experience that they have also experienced at workplace through dating or back in college. And one thing was really interesting to me is that I saw a video um, was I Wei's video where, where Jamela Jamal was interviewing someone else and then she said something along the line of we don't really hear much about anti-Asian hate crimes only to recent years and that one line I know she probably didn't I'm like a bit taking it out of context but just that one line really really triggered me um, again like I'm taking a bit of out of context but the reason it triggered me that line is because this has been happening, has been happening before COVID for many, many times. And like we talk about in the Lunar New Year episode, so many times because Asians felt like the hate crime they have received are not as severe as the Black, Black American in America or other racial group in America that we felt like we cannot say anything. We cannot, we should feel grateful that we are alive, we're not being beaten, we're not being put in jail all the time. Um, and, and then to finally everyone come together and through social media sharing their pain. And like, I almost felt like a lot of my friends and myself finally have words for the things we have experienced before. Cause many, many times all the microaggression or abuse we just brush it off as like, that's one incident. Okay, that's four or five incidents. But 
I'm still safe. No one's attacking me. So that's no big deal. Let me brush it off. But when this happened to so many people, and just because COVID that make it more dramatically increased, doesn't mean it wasn't there before. Like, because again, like what Danny was addressing all the history, and you will understand better why like this will happen. Because the cause is there. The cause is that Asians are invisible. Asians are insignificant. Asian women are hypersexualized. It, it was a lot. It was a lot to process. And I'm still processing. And this episode, it's really helpful for me as well, personally. Because like Danny was saying as well, we just want to do something productive. And as to Chinese women, we cannot not talk about this. Some of you may know that from our podcast description that I'm currently in London. I live in London and I'm Chinese. I'm not Chinese American. I'm not Chinese British. I'm Chinese. And I just work in London and live in London. And you may wonder why I care about this matter. Because I have studied abroad in America and then also this is happening globally. And the UK has seen a 300% increase in hate crime targeting East and Southeastern Asian since the start of pandemic. In other locations with significant Asian populations in Canada has also shown a dramatic increase in hate crimes. In Vancouver, the hate crimes against Asian Canadians rose 717%. And in Ottawa, there's a 57% increase. And again, this, this, our world is actually moving towards globalization. And just because I'm not American doesn't mean this is not affecting me or doesn't mean this is not, doesn't mean that I don't have a right to, to talk about this. And I would add that it doesn't mean it's only happening in America. Yeah. It's happening everywhere when there's, where there is Asia. And I cannot stop thinking about the hypocrisy that when non-white people work and living in another country, it's called immigrant. But when white people do it, it's called expats. They are categorizing themselves as different, as a better being, as mm -hmm. they're not there to steal other people's jobs. Um, I know obviously by definition, there are two different terms and they have different meanings, but it's just so often I see people use them very not in the definition way. Yeah. Yeah, another reason why I was basically in tears in my bed Wednesday night when I was reading everything on social media after work is I saw this reel on Instagram posted by a white female and using liking bacon as, as oh, an analogy. Too. Yeah, yeah, as an analogy of why this she believed this is not a hate crime. She says in in essentially I can no longer find the real because I think just she probably deleted it um, but or made it private. But essentially the real was saying how she want to use the eating bacon, bacon analogy. If a location has a bunch of people like eating bacon and then people go in there and killing them, is this a hate crime? Mm, don't say the connection. And add to that, I just want to say, fuck you. Like, fuck you. How mm -hmm. dare you to make it so simplified when the issue is so complex and when you make it, when you are also using double standard, because I can, I can guarantee you if, if the murderer is Muslim, this person will jump to say, this is a hate crime. This is a terrorist attack, regardless if the people are killed or white or any location that is. The hypocrisy, it's, it's really upsetting to me. And, and I was really quick to go to the comment section, was hoping, hoping someone calling her out in the comment section. No. Mm -hmm. To what my surprise or shocking and tear is that there's people commenting, I'm Asian and I agree with her. And that's fucking sad because that's internalized, internalized model minority myth. And if you don't know what that is, 
again, Danny have done detailed research and talk about this a lot in the Lunar New Year episode. And this also reminds me of another incident that when another Asian woman shared with me that she felt like very annoyed that people always talk about race and she felt like not everything is about race. And I was really trying to hold my anger and trying to talk because if I just yelled at her, she would never talk to me again, never be able to, I would never be able to make her to come to understanding why this is about race and everything is about race. Because once again, this is what we did this episode. The context matters, the history matters, the cause of the root matters. When in the history, when from the beginning, when the white American put the labels on people, when all these things have happened, race is building every single part of the American system. And also this is not just in America again, like this is happening everywhere with Asian immigrants. So in that incident, how can you say that race is not in the question? Race is always in the question. But this is not to say race is the only thing in the question. Mm-hmm. She always, like, the, the example she gave me was that, oh, I went to a French restaurant and sometimes they are rude to me, but it's not because I'm Asian. It's just because I'm not French. How, how is that even an example to be able to address these kind of hate crime when elderly is walking down the street and being pushed down to just push down or slash their face on the subway or being beaten. Sorry, I'm trying to find like the right words, but yeah, I think this is a really, really harmful messages. And it is. And it's not like we want race to be everything. But specifically America, like since the beginning of this country, it's been about race. And race is how we allocate resources and opportunities in this country. So yeah, everything is fucking about race. It doesn't mean it's the only thing because intersectionality people, like that is what the layers of breakdown was for to show that there's layers of oppression and that's why this was a very specific attack on these Asian women working Mm -hmm. at Asian massage spas there's multiple layers of our identity that gives us privilege and also oppresses us and there's really no way to pinpoint exactly in every single instance which layer is oppressing or privileging us because they all combine. I've also had Asian women tell me this is not about race this past week. I know their intent was to comfort me, but I find that so dangerous for an Asian woman to be telling people that this was not racially motivated against Asians because it absolutely was. I think there's a lot of unlearning to do for everyone, Asians included or Asian Americans included, because I think a lot of us also internalize the model minority myth. And I think many of us do see ourselves as basically white, which is problematic because we don't need our own gaslighting each other. I've also been quite disappointed at the silence that I've seen specifically on social media from my non-Asian friends who were very, very vocal during Black Lives Matter. But for some reason this week, I haven't seen the same level of activity. And, you know, I know posting on social media is only surface level and it doesn't mean someone is truly absorbing the information. I know it's surface level, but the silence is also visible. And I'm not saying, you know, why isn't everyone posting? I'm saying for the people that were so actively posting before, during BLM, like, where the fuck are you now? Like, I'm not comparing these people to myself or to anyone else. I'm comparing them to themselves. And their silence right now is so loud. Like, we need need our allies. Like, where are you? And this is why it's so important 
for the president of the United States and then for all the mainstream media to call it as what it is. Because I almost felt like these people are waiting for permission almost mm-hmm. like to call it as what it is. Like, what more evidence do you need? And I, I, a lot of people have also been asking how I feel or, you know, what they can do. I, I appreciate that gesture. I really do. But I would ask everyone to stop asking open-ended questions like these to your Asian friends and colleagues during this time because it puts the burden on us to explain and educate you and maybe even have to reprocess things that we don't want to think about in the moment just to answer your question. So I would suggest still check in on them, but you know, just reframe your outreach to be more action-oriented. Let them know you're there if they want to talk. Let them know you empathize with them. Let them know what steps you're taking to stop AAPI hate and racism. That's all appreciated. I think if possible, refrain from asking those type of open-ended questions because it does it does re-traumatize in a way because we're having to think up of a response that we feel is adequate for for you. Yeah. There's one interview that Danielle Day Kim did with ABC Today that really stuck with me and he was also about like brought to tear was that some of the Asian Americans are not born in America. They chose to be American. They chose to come to America for this American dream. Or some second generation Americans, their parents, their grandparents chose America. I felt like that word has so much weight on it and so much hope in that. And then to have, I think we talk about this similar topic in the Lunar New Year episode again. I know that we, we said this like so many times, but it's just that we just did not expect this will happen this soon again. And, and for people to still not call us what it is, that how many people come to America to pursue their American dream as Asian American or as Asian international or as international students for their higher education, for, their, for bettering themselves, for bettering their family, to get these kind of treatments as they're less off, as, as they're invisible, as they don't matter. And their blood doesn't matter. And that, that hurts. I've seen some of my friends posting and amplifying. I really do appreciate that. And then I also see a lot of my friends donate it as well. I didn't message anyone, but I see them and I felt, I felt supported and it brings me hope. I also just want to note that I know we mentioned social media a lot, but the reason for that is because, again, the mass mainstream media is not getting this right and unfortunately it's on a lot of activists to have to educate people and unfortunately that's where we have to get a lot of the information not unfortunately because it's a bad channel it's been very very useful and I think supportive but unfortunately because you have to seek out that information you have to follow the right people you have to follow the right accounts and organizations because the wider system is not getting it right and i want to end with some resources and recommendations you know since our lunar new year episode i know we've been referring to it a lot <laughs> go listen to it uh we talk about the hate crimes against the elderly asians in america Mickey and I have been providing weekly recommendations in each episode that promotes and celebrates Asian voices and perspectives. Again, we didn't think that since that episode, we would be doing another full episode this soon, discussing another heinous crime towards our community. First, I wanted to share the Lunar New Year episode that we've already referenced, I feel like, a hundred times. I'm plugging ourselves here, but we are two Chinese women to proud Chinese women and our perspective and our voices matter. We've put work into this podcast. And if you are listening and find this helpful, then share it with others. Once you've done that, donate, donate, donate. If you don't know where to give your money, I've listed a few, which are going to be linked in our episode descriptions. Stop AAPI hate, Asian American advancing justice. We'll link both the national and the Atlanta chapter. Red Canary Song, which we talked about earlier, Asian Mental Health Collective. If you just search online, there's so many. 
there's some GoFundMes for individuals that have lost family because of this crime. Continue to buy from Asian-owned businesses and restaurants. We are still in a pandemic. Take a bystander intervention course. Again, we'll link this. Hollow Back is an anti-harassment organization that has partnered with Asian American Advancing Justice to provide free bystander intervention training that will give you tools to step in if you witness anti-Asian harassment. Continue to educate yourself. If anything surprised you in this conversation, do some more research. It's out there. Take responsibility and ownership of your work to become an ally and take the time to learn the real history of race in the U.S. because we weren't taught this. And lastly, I'll say amplify our stories, practice allyship. It's been almost a year since the murder of George Floyd when anti-racism became front and center. And I don't understand the hesitation when it comes to supporting or voicing against AAPI hate because we are racial minorities too. Like racism is racism is racism, like no matter how you look at it. Our community is being murdered and suffering and we need allies.